0: I'm Paul Valley, and this is the Payoff Pitch on Fanimal Radio, presented by DNL Window Tinting. DNL Window Tinting, we put the shades on the sun. Uh, And today, we're going to talk a little bit about who's going to be here and who's not next year. Um, The season's winding down, and people are really looking forward to next season. Uh, Looking forward to seeing prospects like Ryan Mountcastle and Austin Hayes, who's been tearing it up since he got the call here in September. See what they can do over a full season. See how the Orioles can progress from year one of the rebuild to year two. Um, With that in mind, a follower of mine on Twitter asked me if I could talk about who's going to be here, who's not, who we should be paying attention to. So I'm going to play the role of general manager in the first segment of the show before we have Adam McInturf of 2080 Baseball on to talk about the Arizona Fall League. Uh, So first we're going to start off in the infield and we're going to start at first base. And who's there now? Right now, You're seeing mostly Trey Mancini there, but Chris Davis has played over 100 games at first base this year. Uh, So it's pretty much been a platoon of Chris Davis and Trey Mancini who should be there next year. Trey Mancini, he was the most valuable Oriole. He's in the midst of an 11-game hitting streak right now, went 5-for-5 last night. He's in 291-ish on the season, 34 home runs, pushing 100 RBIs. He should be the first baseman next year. Now, will he be the first baseman next year is a whole other question. And as of right now, it's looking like that's still going to be Chris Davis until Ryan Mountcastle comes up. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle, they don't want to start a service clock, though they won't come right out and say that because it can't. Uh, so he probably won't be up until mid-April at the earliest. They have a program that they want Chris Davis to work on in the offseason that he's agreed to work on. Michael Elias has said in the last week or so that Davis will be in spring training, and if he's going to be in spring training, that's with the mindset that he's going to be on the team. So Davis will probably start the year on the team and platooning again with Trey Mancini at first base to start. Once Mount Kessel comes up and there's a roster crunch, we'll see what happens then if Davis is performing. If he isn't performing, I'm leaning towards the fact he probably won't be performing. Uh, I still don't think he's long to be in an Orioles uniform um, by the end of next season, but we'll see where that goes. Uh, Then we're moving over to second base. Who's there right now? Jonathan VR, Hanser Alberto. They've been splitting time there. Who should be there next year? Hanser Alberto, uh, and who will be there next year, Hanser Alberto. I have to believe that that's where he's going to play. He's in over 300 this year, second base is his best defensive position. He doesn't strike out, puts the ball in the play almost every at-bat, hitting 399 versus left-handed pitchers, and that's come down a little bit uh, with his slow September A lot of these guys that are on the Orioles' roster right now have never played this many games in the season, so they're starting to slow down, guys like him and Anthony Santander, who we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, His average was well over 400 most of the year against left-handed pitching. He's got three wins above replacement right now, uh, which is great for a second baseman, especially on a bad baseball team. Hanser Alberto is going to be on the team next year, and I think he should be playing second base. Uh, At third base, you have Alberto, again, and Rio Ruiz, who have been splitting time there, who do I think should be there next year. It's got to be Rio Ruiz, in my opinion, and I have to believe that he is who will be there next year. This is a guy that uh, came over from the Houston Astros organization, and Michael drafted him. Michael Elias brought him over from that organization when he came here. And, look, the 236 batting average, it leaves a lot to be desired, but he's had... A stronger second half than first half. Despite his recent defensive shortcomings, uh, he's been a stabilizer on defense at third base. And he's shown some pop in the second half. Uh, He has something like eight home runs since the beginning of August. So he's been swinging a better bat, even though the average isn't where you'd like it to be. He's still young enough that he can figure it out at the major league level. And this team isn't going to make the playoffs next year. They're not going to even be a 500 team. So you might as well have a guy... See what you can get out of him next year, because I think he showed flashes, enough flashes this year, that they'll give him an opportunity to take that third base job and run with it next year. Because Renato Nunez, as much as they like his power bat, he just doesn't have the hands or the steady arm to play third base at the major league level. And if Ruiz does happen to struggle, the Orioles have Ryland Bannon, who got promoted from A AA to AAA, this past season, he's playing in Arizona Fall League right now and holding his own out there. He's a shorter guy; he's only about five foot seven. But you know, talk to Jose Altuve about, about height and how it matters in Major League Baseball. Uh, so if Ruiz struggles, Bannon could be somebody if he's having a good year in Norfolk that could come up and get some time at third base. But for now, I think it's going to be Rio Ruiz at shortstop. Now, look, everybody knows that the Orioles had the first overall pick in the Rule Five Draft. Uh, last offseason, and they took Richie Martin. He was a double A shortstop in the athletics organization. It hit 300 that year. He's managed to stay on the Orioles' roster all season. Uh, he's, his batting average has been right around 200 the last month or so. Really had to have a bit of a hot streak to get it there. He was hitting in the 170s most of the year. His glove is major league ready. He's a strong defensive shortstop. Bats just not quite there yet. After this season, I'm expecting him to be down in Norfolk to start next year and prove that he can earn a major league job instead of being handed one because of the Roll Five pick. Uh, Jonathan VR has also been spending some time at shortstop. He's a guy who I think should be there next year, and he's a guy who I think will be there next year. Now, look, people are talking about how he could be a non tender candidate because he's due to make over $6 million through arbitration this year. He's going to be entering his age 29 season next year. Uh, They are talking about how he could be a trade candidate because of his strong second half. My feeling is this isn't a guy you trade. This isn't a guy that you non-tender. I don't like trading players just for the sake of making a trade. It's like what we talked about with Trey Mancini. Should the Orioles trade him? Should they keep him uh, earlier in the year when they were talking about the deadline? In my opinion, you have to have some recognizable players with talent on your team. And Jonathan VR is a guy that you have to have on your ball club. He can lead off. He gets on base. He hits for power. He's going to finish the season with 25, 26 home runs. Uh, He drives in runs when he has to. He's never going to be a 100-RBI guy, but 70, 80 RBIs out of your shortstop, second-base type player, that's a good year. And he's going to steal 40 bases this year. Uh, And he's stolen 60 bases at the Major League level in the past. So he's got pop. He plays good defense. He gets on base. You'd like to see him be a little bit better of a base run. He's gotten picked off more times than I care to acknowledge this season. Uh, But... You know, you take the good with the bad with a player like that. The Orioles don't have anybody to play shortstop that's ready to play at the major league level. They really don't have anybody other than Alberto that's ready to play second base at the major league level. I do not understand not tendering this guy a contract. I don't understand trading him because who are you going to replace him with? You can't rob Peter to pay Paul, and I think Jonathan VR is going to be in that opening day lineup next year, and I've been championing for him to get an extension for quite a while now. Uh, the powers-to-be are the ones that make that decision. We'll see if Mike Elias agrees with me. If I, you know, if I were able to make those calls, I'd be running the team. So that's just my opinion. Uh, catcher, who's there now? Pedro Severino, Chance Sisko, who should be there next year. I'm going to say the same. Uh, I like Austin Wins. I think he's a good defensive catcher. The offense is just not there, uh, despite the fact that he hit a home run the other day. It's got to be Pedro Severino and Chan Sisko. Who will be there next year? That's who will be there. It's going to be Severino and Cisco, But both of these guys are just placeholders until Adley Rutschman comes up, and he's going to be your catcher for 10 years at a minimum. So the deal there is Severino will probably start the season as your starting catcher. Chance Cisco's bat has to be able to play at the major league level. I think he's going to get every opportunity to prove that he can catch at the major league level, even though he has many defensive shortcomings and doesn't have the greatest of arms. Ideally, you would like to be able to find another position for him if his back can play, but he hasn't shown. You know, he's had a little bit of a power surge this year, but he hasn't shown that he can consistently hit at the major league level, even though he was a very consistent 300 hitter at the minor league level. Uh, And you don't really want to change positions for a guy who can't hit at the major league level. So until he proves that he can hit up here, you know, they're going to try and work with him a catcher and see if he can stick as the backup once Adley gets here, which is. A far cry from what they were talking about just a couple of years ago when he was 21 years old, tearing up double A, uh, was a former second round pick, and they were talking about he was a catcher of the future. So, uh, gonna be Severino and Chancisco catching next year to start the year. Uh, and then we'll see Adley probably in 2021. Left field, who's there now, Anthony Santander, who should be there next year. This might surprise people, but I think DJ Stewart should be there next year because. He's shown he's not great defensively in right field, but he's a natural left fielder, and he's far better in left field than in right field. Uh, Who will be there next year? It's going to be Anthony Santander. His number's out over a full year of roughly 35 home runs, 105 RBIs based on what he's done uh, in just under 100 games this year. He slowed down the last few weeks, but just like Hans Alberto, that's because he's played more games and had more at-bats than ever before in his career. I think next year he would need a Cedric Mullins-type collapse to not be on this roster, and I think he's going to be stuck right there in left field, although I think that he's better defensively in right field than Stewart, and Stewart's better defensively in left field than he is in right. Um, but, again, I have not the powers to be, so Anthony Santander will be in left field next year. Center field, Austin Hayes, he's there now. He should be there next year. He will be there next year. This guy's come in like a buzzsaw. Uh, Gary Thorne mentioned that he's having a fairy tale September after he hit that second home run, his second home run of the game two days ago. Great defender, solid hitter, great bat speed, good arm. He has much better pitch selection this time around than he did when he got his call up back in 2017. Austin Hayes looks like a superstar in the making. You don't want to put that much pressure on him, but the, the energy that he has infused into this roster over the last couple of weeks. Is It's been amazing. It's been amazing to watch. and something we really haven't seen in Baltimore in a really long time. Despite how good Adam Jones was, the defensive metrics, the the ability, the speed out there is just something we really have not seen in a very long time in center field. And Austin Hayes, he's taking that job, and he's running with it right now. It'll be his job to lose in spring training, and I just don't see that happening. Right field, who's there right now, Mancini and DJ Stewart, who should be there next year. We already talked about this. Anthony Santander, should be there, probably won't be. Uh, and who will be? My opinion, it's got to be DJ Stewart. He's entering his age 26 season. He's a former first round pick. It's time to put up or shut up for this guy. He was a big on base guy in college, big on base guy at the minor league level. He had a 20, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases season at Bowie last year, or two years ago, excuse me. Last year struggled a little bit, but still got a call up because of necessity more than anything else. This year, He had a pretty good year at the minor league level. They called him up. It's been up and down for him. But I think that this is a guy who might be able to figure it out. If you give him the job, he has to earn it. But you kind of have a little bit of wiggle room there. You let him take over in the outfield, a corner outfield spot, and play him every day. You know, this team isn't going to win next year. So play DJ Stewart every day. And if he ends up hitting 270 with 15 home runs and gets on base at a 370 clip, you have a player there. You know, at, at at the very least, you have a guy who can help you win ball games. He might be a two-win player, uh, but you have to give him the opportunity to 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 try it. And again, former first-round pick entering his age 26 season. The time is now, uh, starting in 2020. At DH, who's there right now? Renato Nunez, who should be there next year. Ryan Mountcastle doesn't really have a great glove. Uh, he only had four errors at first base, but. Just wasn't really steady defensively. He played 22 games in left field for Norfolk. uh, Held his own, didn't make any errors, had four outfield assists out there. Um, The guy's an athlete. He can play baseball. God knows he can hit. Uh, Service time's going to come into question next year. We probably won't see him until mid-April at the earliest, like we were talking about earlier in the show. But he should be there next year. Who will be there next year? Renato Nunez to start the season. I think Mountcastle will get called up sooner rather than later and he'll probably take over full-time. To me, Renato Nunez is what he is. He's like a Luke Scott. He can get hot and carry a team for a week, hit six, seven home runs in a week span, but then he'll disappear for weeks at a time. He's entering his age 26 season. He'll get the opportunity to improve upon his 2019 campaign. Feels like he's been stuck on 29 home runs forever, but I think he'll get to 30 before the season's over. He only has about four or five games left to do so. But I think he'll get to 30 home runs, and then they'll see if he can improve upon that next year. But I think that Renato Nunez eventually becomes the odd man out. I don't think there's a spot on this team for him with the guys that they have coming up and the guys that they already have currently on the roster. Uh, Utility infielder, who's there right now. Stevie Wilkerson is there right now. He's the guy who should be there next year, and he's the guy who will be there next year. He puts up Ryan Flaherty-type numbers. He's going to hit about 220, 230 for you um, with some pop. He has more speed, and he has the ability to play literally every position on the field except for catcher, and he probably could catch in a pinch. Uh, I think he should be the utility guy. Fourth outfielder, Dwight Smith, he's the guy who's there right now, who I think should be there next year, is Cedric Mullins. I think he played very well down the stretch for Bowie. I think he'll probably start the year in Norfolk unless he has a big spring, which he did not have in 2019. Um, But I think that Cedric Mullins is a guy who should be considered for the fourth outfield spot. But I think it will be Dwight Smith to start next year, and then I think Mar- uh, Mullins will be up sooner than later to take over that spot. Now you also have to rec- uh, also have to remember that next year roster moves from 25 players to 26 players, so they could keep two outfielders. It could be it could be Dwight Smith and Cedric Mullins, but I also think Mason Williams has a shot to make the team. So it's uh, two of those three outfielders are probably going to be on the team next year. Uh, bullpen and. Sorry if it seems like I'm rushing. I do have a guest who was about to come on the show, so I've got to get through this. But in the bullpen, um, the guys who I think should be on the roster, Tanner Scott, Dylan Tate, Hunter Harvey. I think Richard Blyer deserves the opportunity to see if this season was a fluke. He was coming off a shoulder injury and an oblique injury. The three previous years, his ERA was under two. This year, I think, is a fluke. And I think that once he has a full, healthy offseason, gets a full spring training, I think that he could show that he's more the guy that we saw with the sub-2 ERA than the guy with the 5+. plus. Uh, Miguel Castro pitched really well in the second half. I think he'll be on the team. I think Michael Givens will move more into a setup role with Hunter Harvey probably taking over the closer duties next year. I think Michael Givens stays on the team. Could be traded at the deadline next year, but he will be tender the contract, and he will be on this roster to start next year. Sean Armstrong has a really good arm, and I think they like his arm. I think he'll get an opportunity to stick. Uh, and then Paul Fry was solid the first half of the year, kind of fell apart the second half. I think he'll be on the squad next year, and Evan Phillips might have an opportunity too. Now that's nine pitchers, so uh, could be odd man out between Paul Fry and Evan Phillips. We'll see starting rotation. John means Dylan Bundy. People forget Alex Cobb is on his team. If he's healthy next year, he'll be in the rotation. Asher Wojciechowski, I think he showed enough flashes uh this in the first in this season. Uh, only 30 years old, which is old in baseball but young in life. Uh, I think he'll get an opportunity to crack that rotation next year. And I also think Aaron Brooks has done enough to warrant being maybe the fifth starter. They usually don't need a fifth starter the first couple weeks of the year, but I think that'll go to him. Keegan Aiken uh, pitched in Norfolk, up and down season down there, but I think he'll get an opportunity. He'll probably go down to Norfolk, and he could be the first one called up from the minor leagues. Or they could go out and sign a free agent to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training and see if guy, like kind of like a Nate Carnes type of deal, hopefully not as much of a disaster, uh, and somebody might get a crack at this. You also have to keep in mind that the Orioles could sign a free agent or two in the offseason to, to take a position on the team. Uh, but I really think that right now your starting rotation next year, barring free agency, is John Means, Alex Cobb, Dylan Bundy, Asher Wojciechowski, and Aaron Brooks with Keegan Aiken getting an opportunity at some point in the season. That's going to do it for the first half of our show. I have uh, Adam McInturf coming in after the break to talk about the Arizona Fall League and the Orioles' prospects that are playing out there. Uh, so after we hear a word from response, we're going to talk with Adam McIntyre from 2080 Baseball. In your home, sunshine can stream in through windows, bringing a cheerful feel and warmness to any room. Sometimes, though, it brings in too much warmth, even harmful ultraviolet light and solar energy that can raise energy bills, drain the color from your fabrics and furnishings, and cast a blinding glare on your television or computer screens. DNL window tinting can protect your home from all of this while saving you money on energy bills. Start saving today by calling DNL at 410 941 2942. That's 410 941 2942. Welcome back to the Payoff Pitch. And joining me from 2080 Baseball is Adam McInturf. Adam, how are we doing today, man? Doing well.
1: Good to be here. Thanks for having me again, Paul.
0: Absolutely. You're actually the, one of, uh, I think, two or three people have been on this show three times. So we appreciate you being a consistent presence for us. Uh, so you're out in Arizona. You're covering, are you covering the entire Arizona Fall League, or just the Surprise Sajoros?
1: Uh, I'm going to be covering a couple teams, but I started with Surprise um, knowing that Baltimore's guys are on and Washington's guys are on, and a couple other individual clubs that uh, I'll write some pieces about, have uh, players assigned to this team. So I've started here, um, but I'm probably you know, going to make my way out to a handful of other clubs the fall goes on.
0: All right, sounds good, sounds good. Uh, the Orioles, they have six prospects on that Surprise team right now. Austin Hayes will be joining them after the regular season ends for the Orioles on Sunday uh, and He's been having a great year, or a great month, as to say, in, for the big league club. A uh, couple of guys out there that I want to start off talking about. Uh, and these are some position prospects. The Orioles kind of have an open path in the middle infield and at third base for the big league club. Got Mason McCoy out there hitting 417 and 12 at-bats, and Rylan Bannon uh, 4 for 14. What are you seeing from those two guys, and uh, what are their prospects entering into next year for maybe playing on the big league club at some point?
1: Yeah, uh, it started with Mason McCoy. Um, this is a guy who came to the Orioles in the 2017 draft from the University of Iowa. Uh, both these guys, um, both uh, McCoy and Bannon, were part of that buoy team this year that went deep in the playoffs. Um, I think with McCoy, it's not really one specific tool that's going to carry him. It's more the sum of the parts. He's a very fundamental player. He's a very polished player. Um, terrific makeup terrific teammate brings a good effort uh, I've seen him out here for about a week he's a contact overpower type of hitter and he can play you know he can move around the infield um, shortstops where he lines up now I think in the big leagues uh, his ceiling you're looking at a guy that probably comes off the bench and can move around the infield a little bit do a little bit of everything for you in terms of next year, uh, they don't need to make a roster decision or he's not Rule 5 eligible until after next year. And I think that uh, there's some chance he'll be up, but I expect to see him starting at Norfolk.
0: Well, yeah, and what the Orioles have been doing is they've been having guys play basically full seasons at each uh, affiliate. Uh, Ryland Bannon was actually, to me, a surprise call-up from A up to A this year towards the end of the year. But that also has to do with the fact that he played – all of all of last season at Double A as well. Now he's a guy who I'm a little bit excited about. Uh, he had he had 22 home runs between the Dodgers club and the Orioles last year. Um, power was a little bit down this year, but when, once he got up to Triple A, he really started swinging a hot stick for the club. And I think that this is a guy who. I think Rio Ruiz is probably going to be the third baseman to start next year, but I think that's a guy that the Orioles could potentially call up in the middle of the summer if it's not working out with Ruiz. What do you think about Ryland Bannon? I know he's a little bit on the shorter scale, but he seems like a ball player to me. Well, he's, he's
1: definitely that. He's, he's definitely a ball player. Both these guys, both both McCoy and uh, Bannon, they're grinders. They're and, uh... You know, I, I think he might be a little bit more limited, in my opinion, in terms of his utility in a reserve role because he's not a shortstop. But he's a guy that I've seen even out here in the fall. He's moving between second and third. Um, some growth that I've seen from him has been in his arm strength. So versus this is uh Rylan Bannon came into the organization, for those that don't remember, as part of the Manny Machado trade. And uh, I, I think he was more the second baseman at that time, if I'm not mistaken. I think his arm's gotten a lot stronger. It's opened up the ability to play on the left side of the infield, if need be. And uh, this is a guy offensively that he, you know, when when he came into the came into the organization, he had power numbers in the Dodgers organization, mostly I think as a result of the Cal League and kind of the offensive environment out there. But he's still a big swing up, work under the ball, lift guy. Um, he's got a little bit more raw power than you're expecting from a guy his size. As you noted, he's on the shorter end. He's about five foot 5'9", um, around there. And, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see how they move these guys around moving forward. Like I said, I think both McCoy and him, I expect them to start around AAA. But I think they'll see what they have. And if there's an opening that becomes available, I'm sure they'll be in the mix.
0: All right. Well, The Orioles this year, they really weren't – they didn't struggle offensively like a lot of people thought they they would. They were a lot better offensively this year than last year. So really what it all comes down to is the pitching with this ball club. I mean, they just gave up their 300th home run of the season last night. Uh, So what most people want to hear about is the pitching prospects in this organization. The Orioles have four of them uh, out in the Arizona Fall League right now. Let's start with Dean Kramer. He also came over – in that uh, Machado trade, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, right now, he's got two innings pitched. He's only allowed two hits, no runs. Small sample sizes for all these guys, but Dean Kramer had success uh, for the Orioles in their minor league system this year, and he's, it seems like he's transitioning that over to the Arizona Fall League.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I was there at that outing. It was a very you know, classic Dean Kramer look to me and this is not including Hayes out here just from the six that have been out here this first week, I think Kramer ultimately position player or pitcher probably is the highest ceiling to me personally, of anybody out here, I mm-hmm. think this is a guy that can like realistically, even on a contending club, had a chance to fill a back of the rotation profile. Um, nothing really wise. And I think what's so interesting about him is he's not a blow, blow your way with stuff type of guy, but his strikeout numbers throughout the minors consistently have been, I think that, uh, he's someone that really benefits from his pitchability. He's someone that benefits from extension and doing a good job tunneling pitches in his spin. He's exactly the type of pitcher that this new regime in Baltimore uh, has done tremendously with. I mean, I think if you look throughout the organization, I'm sure you know, Paul, um, the pitching production went through the roof this year uh, for all of those pitching prospects, and I think that has, that's a huge testament to the philosophy and the success um, that, you know, this group brought over from Houston and the way that that has uh, made its way down through the minor leagues and their pitching coaches. So Kramer's a guy, um, he has a lot of different types of speeds he can show you. I mean, he's got a fastball, curveball, slider, cutter, changeup. So he's a four or five pitch guy. He mixes them all from the jump. Um, He shows Different speeds early in the game. He keeps drives off balance. He can pitch backwards. He can sequence his pitches differently. And I think that's really a separator for him. So the arsenal depth and the ability to keep everything from the same slot. And, you know, I think he is a spin rate guy. He's an extension guy. You kind of put the pieces of that together. Though he's, you know, a little bit leaner. And he's, you know, an upper 80s, low 90s type guy. He's not a big physical workhorse pumping above 94, 95. Like sometimes you see innings eaters in the back of the rotation. I think the sum of his parts still give him the ability to pitch uh, in that number 5 starter role for a good club.
0: Well, and and I like that you say the number five spot for a good club. Uh, We all know that the Orioles have struggled with their pitching basically since they drafted Mike Messina. Um, They've struggled to develop good starting pitching. Um, So a guy like Dean Kramer in in past rotations may have been a middle to top end starter, but on a good club he's a number five, which is something that you like to hear – about a prospect because they're not going to have just any run-of-the-mill guy in that rotation. Uh, another guy that a lot of people are excited about, myself included, but he doesn't blow up the radar gun is Alex Wells, Wells, who's out there. This is a guy who hits 88 to 90 tops on his fastball, but manages to find success at every level he's been in. His worst season in at the minor league level, he pitched to a 3.47 ERA, which you'd take any day. Uh, what are you seeing from Alex Wells? and? What is his likeliness to contribute to the big league ball club at some point?
1: Yeah, um, well, I'll, Alex it, Alex is a great story, and it was a terrific piece of scouting by uh, Mike Snyder, who's the new newly minted director of professional scouting, um, formerly the director of um, Pacific Rim Scouting, signed this kid out of uh, Australia. Really, really great job by Mike. Um, but, uh, you know, Al, Al, Alex is like, like you said, he's he's not going to overpower anybody, um, but his ability to fill the zone, he really knows how to pitch, um, and he's pretty unflappable out there on the mound. You know, he's not someone that's going to get rattled. Um, Stuff doesn't jump out, but same thing, ability to mix speeds, uh, keep guys off balance, pitch backwards. That's kind of his bread and butter. I think with him, um if and when he does contribute to the big league club, and this is just my personal opinion, but if and when he does contribute to the big league club, it's probably going to be in a non-starting role, maybe as a long man, maybe as a mop-up type of guy. probably a shorter exposure role, because for all the things he does well, as you mentioned, there are some just end-of-the-day stuff limitations, but uh, he's been a terrific story. He's performed everywhere he's gone through the organization. Um, interestingly enough he has an identical twin brother also pitching in the minor leagues with the twins really really great kid um, great feel for the game very cerebral and that's definitely reflected uh, in, in his game on the mound
0: I think it's funny you mentioned his twin brother they actually both threw six inning shutouts this season on the exact same day uh, at the minor league level so that's a pretty cool story there in and of itself now with Alex Wells he has this big looping curveball right and manages to get guys out with it. Now, is that a product of the movement on the pitch or just a a hitter's inability to stay back long enough to make solid contact with it?
1: I think it's probably a bit of both. I mean, I I think that it does come in so slow. It's a bit of a freeze pitch, and it catches guys off guard. Um, But, you know, like you said, it's a big, loopy downer. Um, It's got a lot of vertical depth on it. He's very, very good at knowing where to start it as – Sort of control where he lands it. For a pitch that moves that much vertically, he throws a lot of strikes with it, and that's something that's pretty unique. I think oftentimes when you have a breaking pitch that is moving north to south to the degree that his stuff does, it can be tough to land in the zone. So, like I said, I think the real separator for Alex Wells, um, and if he does have success, it's really on the strength of his ability to just throw a, an insane amount of strikes. I mean, if, if anyone looks back at his numbers, he just simply doesn't walk, guys. I mean, it's, it's just that simple. I, I, I think somebody with his stuff and with that limited velocity, I think there are going to be instances where as he gets closer to the big leagues and certainly uh, if and when he's at the major league level, he might need to learn to work that control command almost to the fringes a little bit more and maybe nibble a little bit because at the end of the day, the guys waiting for him and the big leagues are just the best hitters in the world. So sometimes unless you have stuff that you can blow by them, really you need to stay away from the plate. But at the end of the day, He's had a ton of success coming kind to of the minor league ladder just because he changes speeds and does nothing but just pound the zone.
0: Right, and with Alex Wells, I would much rather have a guy who throws a little softer but knows how to pitch rather than a guy who can throw 100 but is all over the strike zone and walks you know, six batters every nine innings. Uh, you, look at, you look at you know, Mike Mussina, CC Sabathia. These were guys who had big power fastballs early on in their career and then as their career started to progress and move towards the finish line they lost some velocity and then it went for, but they were still success, successful because it wasn't about throwing hard it was about knowing how to pitch and i think that Orioles fans should be really excited to have a guy in their system that yeah he's not going to blow you away on the radar gun but he absolutely knows how to pitch and he gets it
1: yeah no i mean i, I think that's absolutely true i think what's tricky now the major leagues are just so good. Like, like you said, it certainly is not all about velocity because you see guys in the minor leagues, and then certainly this is definitely a player type in AAA, you'll see guys that are all velocity and no feel, and they're having just, you know, they're, they're not having success. Um, and yet, there needs to oftentimes be some combination of stuff or whatever you want to call it, that needs to exceed a certain threshold. While also maintaining that ability to locate, change speeds, and have feel to pitch. I mean, I really think just above all, um, and this is probably a different conversation, but 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 above all, we're just at an age in the major leagues where, in my opinion, the the talent level and how good, big, strong, but skilled these guys are is just incredibly unique. I mean, I, I think a guy like Alex Wells, um, fifteen years ago, ten years ago, I think there's probably a more uh, carve that role for this type of pitcher exactly but the talent level of these guys is just unreal in the, and especially in the analytics era uh that's taken so many steps forward in recent years um it's just remarkable the the combination of that field to pitch move your stuff around hit spots but also cross that stuff threshold that i mentioned really is so it's 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 tough and it really gives you respect for guys that are able to hang around the major leagues and certainly have success there in this day and age
0: Right, especially with all the home runs being hit. There are four teams that have already broken the Major League record for home runs in the season and two teams that are going to hit over 300 home runs this year, and the Yankees and the Twins. So uh, I definitely see your point there. And. Alex Wells, he, um, I know we spent a lot of time on him. We're about to move on from him. But that's just a guy who has been doubted his entire career because of that lack of velocity but has had success at every level. So really interesting to see where his career is going to take him and how he'll progress moving to Norfolk and then hopefully with success at the big league level. The last two guys we're going to talk about before we get into a little bit of a sleeper guy in the Orioles system, uh, Cody Carroll, David LeBron. Cody Carroll, he came over in that Yankees trade with, um, with Zach Britton, Correct. Right, and this was a guy that the Orioles you know, were really hoping could help them at the big league level out of their bullpen. Uh, hasn't worked out that way so far, but he's pitching with a little bit of a, a success out there in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, David LeBron, he's been the one who's been roughed up the most. If, if, excuse me if I'm uh, mispronouncing his last name. Um, he's been the one who's been hit around the most out there, allowing four runs on six hits in three and two-thirds innings pitched. But what are you seeing from Cody Carroll and LeBron? Uh, and what can we expect from them moving forward?
1: Yeah, uh, so C- Cody Carroll, I think one thing. So he he came up um, at the end of 2018, I believe, and had some rocky results at the big lead level after putting up numbers in AAA. He's the only member, uh, of course, again, this isn't including Austin Hayes when he gets out here, only member of the six in Arizona right now that is on the 40-man roster. He did not, uh, Carroll didn't pitch much this year. He made a couple of, like, two... Rehab uh, outings in the GCL, but really didn't pitch much coming back from injury. So, what the Orioles are getting with him, he's getting innings under his belt, and they're probably, frankly, again, this uh, newer front office getting an opportunity to uh, evaluate what they have here when it comes to making a 40 man decision on him. Now that we're getting to that time of the year. So, Carroll's a big, physical guy, six foot five, broad, hard thrower. I mean, he's a 94 to 97, touch 98 with the fastball. Hard breaking ball that is a little bit of a three quarter shape. It's a slider, 82 85, but it's um, probably its tilt is a little bit somewhere in between a curve and slider. With him, it's just a matter of um, throwing strikes and getting ahead of hitters. Obviously, his size and stuff, I think this is actually kind of a good continuation of what I was saying in the inverse of a guy like Alex Wells that size and stuff are never going to be the issue with Cody Carroll. It's going to be more a matter of that field of pitch um, getting ahead of hitters and not falling behind so uh, so guys are sitting on his fastball. I think that's something that he encountered uh, at the major league level at his time there before he went down with injury. He'd had success all the way through the minors on stuff alone. Then you get to the major leagues, and you're facing a caliber of hitter that just doesn't exist in in, in the minor leagues. Or if it does, it's uh, these top prospects that aren't going to be there for very long. So when you're facing a major league lineup, um, no matter how hard you throw, if you're scattered, if you're falling behind, in the count. If you're continually putting yourself in situations where you're in hitters counts and they know you have to throw your fastball, very, very rare is the guy that has, no matter how hard you throw, the type of fastball that can still get away uh, with getting it by them in those situations. And I think that's something that Carroll is going to have to be cognizant of. I think that's obviously something that they're working with him on. And, you know, but but I think the the benefit of having the stuff and the, the, caliber of stuff that he has is if you can make that type of adjustment if he can sort out aspects of his mechanics if he can improve in maybe his body control ability to repeat his delivery such that he is getting ahead of hitters he does have the stuff to put guys away and so i think you know whether he becomes a bona fide piece of the Orioles bullpen moving forward or if he's always kind of one of these hard throwing up and down on the cusp of the major leagues type of relief prospects it's probably going to come down to how he uses his stuff, not the caliber of stuff in the vacuum, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, it really goes to show your exact point about how there just isn't that caliber of hitter at the minor league level. In 37 games last year between the Orioles and Yankees affiliates, uh, no home runs allowed. Then he comes up to the major league level, and in 15 games he gives up six home runs. So it's definitely one of those things where the quality of hitter is going to have to make, make you change the quality of pitcher that you are. And, look, The Orioles, that bullpen has been atrocious this year. Worst ERA in baseball. There's going to be a spot in that rotation, I mean, in in that bullpen next year. Um, Does he have the opportunity to take a spot in spring training, or do you think that they're going to want him to get a little bit more seasoning at the minor league level before using him? Uh,
1: You know, I think he's at the age and point of experience where that is really going to be up to his performance, so to speak. I also think, you know, bullpens are the type of things that – can be addressed quickly and sometimes be addressed in, you know, just just building a bullpen is a pretty variable thing and there are ways. And and like like I said, I think this, uh, the, the people at the helm of this organization now have such an excellent track record. They do such a good job developing pitching, finding pitching or finding pitchers with stuff, but some inefficiency to their analytic or and profile, you know, something related to that um making adjustments and finding value there so you know we'll probably have to see what other competition he is in camp um the off season is just about to get underway and there's a lot of shuffling that can go on especially in a roster situation like baltimore's um but you know all all things being as they are today i think it would really just in my opinion come down to how healthy carol is and obviously how he performs in the spring i think he's the type of guy where he's old enough and has some major league time such that um, they're not going to necessarily, by default, put him in the minor leagues to develop more. But by the same token, um, what comes with that is it really ultimately boils down to your performance and if the the organization feels that you're ready to handle a day-in, day-out major league role. So I think it's kind of TBD, and this will be one of the guys and positional battles to follow in Sarasota
0: next spring. Absolutely, and I, I think there's an opportunity there for him, and like you said, it's up to him to take it by the reins and run with it. So, and the last guy that we're going to talk about that's out there right now is David Lebron. Now, this is a guy who uh, kind of got came out of college late. He was 24 years old when uh, at, when he pitched in his final season in college. He was 10-0 with a 2.24 ERA pitching for Tampa in college. Uh, Then he was with Texas. Now he's with the the Orioles organization. Up and down year for him at Frederick this year. Doesn't have a ton of experience considering uh, his age. What can you say about him? I don't anticipate this guy being able to help the big league club for at least a couple of years.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, like you said, receiving the trade from the Rangers, um, he's been working mostly out of the rotation. If I if, if memory serves, with Frederick uh, this year, seeing him out here, I think at the higher levels. This is going to be Double A, uh, maybe Triple A. This is the type of guy that will almost certainly be working out of the bullpen exclusively. Mm-hmm. Um, shorter, righty with arm strength is probably how I would describe him. Uh, he'll run his fastball up to 95, sit in the low to mid-90s. Um, for him to separate himself, I think he'll need to probably develop a little bit more consistent off-speed stuff.
0: Right, right. And so you, you would anticipate then that given the, the talent he's facing out there in Arizona, he'll probably be at Bowie. I would imagine considering he spent the entire season at Frederick this year. Um, I would imagine he'd be at Bowie next year and then maybe A the year after that.
1: You know, I'm, I I I think it's tough to, it, especially with pitchers. It's a position where injuries, you know, and and other factors really can cloud the pitcher. I I I don't know if it's uh, reasonable to look more than a year down the road with a guy like this, but I think certainly um, to to expect him to be in Bowie is is reasonable next year.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Not not a lot to go off of a uh, guy who's a little bit older for his uh, experience. So uh, hopefully he'll. You know, settle it down a little bit out there. Maybe have a little bit of success in Arizona, and then come out and pitch well for Bowie next year, and give himself an opportunity with the ball club. So, uh, and then you and I—we spoke a little bit the other day before uh, getting you to come on the show. And I asked you if there was anybody in the system that people really aren't talking about that could be key contributors for the ball club moving forward. And you mentioned Zach Pop. Now, Zach Pop uh, pitched in eight games this year to a .84 ERA had the arm injury. I believe he had Tommy John surgery. So chances are he's not going to be pitching until next, late next summer at the earliest. Um, but you really seem to be pretty high on Zach Pop. Tell me a little bit about him.
1: Yeah, uh, again, so uh, like Ryland Bannon and Dean Kramer, this was a guy that came to Baltimore in the Machado trade uh, from the Dodgers. He was a college, I think he went back and forth at the University of Kentucky between the bullpen and the rotation. Mm -hmm. He's kind of fits the profile of a bigger, hard-throwing guy that I think was growing into his body a little bit later on. Um, He's basically, I think he has actually exclusively pitched uh, in in relief at at, at the pro level. And I do think that, you know, you kind of asked me for a sleeper. Maybe this is a little bit of a cop-out, because I believe if he had stayed healthy throughout this year, this definitely would be a guy that people were talking about more in the Orioles system. And it's not to say that people aren't talking about him at all. I mean, I think this is a relatively known uh, player in the prospect community, but just for the, for the average fan, for the average follower of the Orioles system, I think because of his injury, maybe uh, his name took a back seat to some other guys this year. It's just been such an exciting year on the farm for the O's, but to kind of break him down, like I said, he's a, you know, your standard physical guy. He's got major league physicality at six, 220 pounds. Um, the standout thing for him, absolutely, is his combination of velocity and fastball movement. It's a really, really, really heavy sinker in the mid to upper 90s anywhere. I've seen him 94, 97, maybe touch a 98. Um, and that movement down in the zone, if you look at his numbers, he's consistently just racked up huge ground ball rates. It's the type of pitch that you can get away with throwing almost 60 plus or more percent of the time because it's just a bowling ball the guys are either swinging through or oftentimes they're topping it right into the ground and getting weak contact outs. He's got enough of a slider, enough of a breaking push to keep guys honest. So it's not going to be totally a one trick pony where I think the major league level guys are just going to wait him out. I think there's enough secondary stuff that they have to be, hitters have to be cognizant of it. But again, I think the real separator in my mind for Zach Pop is that sinker. And what that's going to allow him to do. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see if he comes back the same guy from Tommy John, like I mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, pitchers <laughs> pitching can be very variable. Uh, building bullpens and relievers, especially, are extremely variable. We see that all the time. Um, and coming back from Tommy John, that 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 can be a process in and of itself, right? Even when a guy has rehab completely, it can take sometimes up to a year to really get the stuff back. And frankly, sometimes stuff doesn't come back. But I, I want to keep the glass half full on Zach Pop. Um, I, I really like the stuff I've seen from him. I think ultimately we've met a guy that when he's healthy, when he's right, could be a prominent member of the Orioles bullpen uh, with some chance to serve in a setup capacity. And I think that's a very, very valuable piece when you consider uh, he'd be a, you know, all three options and obviously cost-controlled piece coming up to the big leagues as someone with no major league time at this point.
0: Right, well, that's, that's a fantastic analysis on the guy and something that, you know, Orioles fans can hopefully get excited about. Uh, we do have to see how he does coming back from Tommy John surgery. Some people respond to it better than others, uh, but he did strike out over a an inning in his small sample size this year. Like you said, he's got that heavy fastball, that sinker. He induces a lot of ground balls. So that is somebody that hopefully can be pitching in the in the back end of that bullpen along with Hunter Harvey and Dylan Tate a couple of seasons from now. Uh, Adam, always a pleasure having you on the show, man. Really great stuff as always. Hopefully we'll get to talk to you again maybe in the offseason, definitely next season as well. Thanks again so much for coming on. My pleasure, Paul. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. We'll talk to you soon. And that's going to do it for us here on the payoff pitch. Thanks again to Adam McIntyre from 2080 Baseball for joining the show for his third time. Uh, He's getting to that Alec Baldwin level from SNL uh, at this point. So uh, that's going to do it for the payoff pitch. We do have one show left for the season uh, before we move to off-season shows potentially. And Dan Connolly, formerly of the Baltimore Sun and BaltimoreBaseball.com, now writing for The Athletic, will join us for a season recap show next Wednesday. Tune in then. Uh, Until then, thanks for joining us, and go O's.